Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. If you don't think you can beat someone, why even go out there and wrestle? You're just wasting your time. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back to Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is the great John Fisher, four-time All-American from Michigan, Olympic trials runner-up to one John Smith. This was a great episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to Derek Morford, Mercer County alum, former Alito Green Dragon. Thank you for tuning in, my friend. Hope all is well. Folks, this episode is brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Our virtual gala is actually happening on June 6th from 8 to 9 p.m. That's Saturday, June 6th, 8 to 9 p.m. I'm on the Young Professionals Board of Beat the Street Chicago. And folks, if you've ever done anything for me, please register for this event. You can do so by going to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com and click on the Beat the Streets Virtual Gala tab on the homepage. WrestlingChangeMyLife.com, click on the Virtual Gala tab on the homepage. And that's it. Let's give it up for John Fisher. So let's start at the very beginning, John Fisher. Coach Bentley, I know that may, name means a lot to you. When did you first come in contact with him, and how did he kind of influence you as a kid growing up? I could talk about Mr. Bentley forever. Let's get into it, baby. Matter of fact, Mr. Bentley was my next-door neighbor. He lived a house down from me, Okay. And so I knew him since I was like five years old when we finally we moved over on Stockdale Street in Flint. And I really got to know him when I got to high school because, uh, you know, I was on his wrestling team and he's one of the best coaches, you know, I've ever had. You know, he's just he's just a great man. Great man. What was it? What was it about him? Was he one of those guys who like had a lot of love for his athletes and would do anything for him or what what made you trust him so early on? I trust him because he was always honest and I knew that he had my best interest. It wasn't just, you know, um, he wanted me to be successful to make him look good. You know, he treated me like I was one of the better wrestlers on the team, mm -hmm. but I saw how he treated the wrestlers who weren't as good as me. And that really <laughs> impressed me because, you know, since I've, I've been wrestling for a while in, you know, uh, high school and in college and, Seeing that a person, the way they treat people, the lowest people, you know, well, I won't say the lowest. Yeah, yeah. Who aren't as talented, they're treating you just the same. They're treating everyone the same. He gave, like, guys who weren't as talented, he spent just as much time with them as he did with me. And that impressed me. 
you know, because mm-hmm. I I saw that he wasn't just, you know, because I'm winning. Okay, I like John Fisher. This individual isn't as successful. I don't have to waste time for him. He treated us all with respect, and I really loved him for that. And what was Flint like back in the early 80s? Because you hear a lot about it now, but I don't know much about it in the early 80s. Man, like, what was it like, and what was your reality growing up in Flint? Man, Flint was a hidden gem. You know, the way people think about, like, the way Flint is now because of, like, the automotive industry went, you know, went away, uh, the water, yeah. you know, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a little rough now. But when I grew up, it was a hidden gem, you know. In the summer times, you always had things to do. They had sporting activities. We had some of the best schools. You know, it was just a, a great time, great place. A lot of great athletes from that area, too. You know, oh, yeah. You got people, you know, like uh, Glenn Rice, uh, Andre Risen. You know, uh, it's just it's tons, tons of great athletes there. Tons of great. The McGee Twins. I don't know if you know much about basketball. Uh-uh. The Twins went to USC. Um you know they they were they they're from there. Just a lot of great Jim Abbott baseball. Okay. Yep, you know, from there. So it's a lot of great athletes from there. And did you do a lot of stuff growing up, or just wrestling? When I was younger, I did everything. You know, I did soccer, I did track, I did basketball. But once I got to high school, I just focused on wrestling. I went out for the basketball team, and I made the basketball team my sophomore year. And but uh, I, Mr. Billy came to me and he says, "Hey, John." you want to ride the bench or do you want to be a star? You know, so I said, hey, I want to try to be a star. I mean, you know, basketball, we had a lot of talented individuals in Flint, so I wasn't the tallest person in the world. (laughs) Wait, so you were going to not wrestle your sophomore year and just do basketball? Well, no, I I wanted to see if I could make the team. Okay. I wanted to see if I could make the team. It was a challenge. You know, I knew there was a lot of talented people on the team, you know, so I just wanted to see if I could make it. And I made the team, but, you know, I ended up wrestling. It was a great, you know, a great thing for me to do, wrestling. When did you get involved with the Black Cat Wrestling Club? I'm sure that had a big impact on you. That was my 10th grade year because I didn't start wrestling until the 8th grade. Mm -hmm. I would have wrestled in middle school. Middle school in Flint was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. You know, we didn't have freshmen weren't in the high school then. So I went out for the team as a 7th grader. But I waited too long. I didn't have my physical. I waited too long to get my physical, so I had to go. <laughs> so then I started wrestling in eighth grade. And then uh, once Mr. Bentley saw me, you know, like in the ninth grade, that summer I started wrestling for the Black Cats. And that helped my wrestling a lot because I was able to, you know, go all over the state and go all over the country. You know, the one thing that Mr. Dent- Bentley did for me, he showed me, that there's great people all over the country because we used to just wrestle around in Flint and you're beating guys in Flint. So it's a small pool. And then once we start beating guys in Flint, he started taking us outside of Flint and then, you know, outside, you know, outside of Flint all around the state. Then he started taking us all around the country. And then that's when I started seeing, Oh, there's talented people all over the place. If you want to be the best, you know, you got to work hard because there's people working hard all over. So he'd go out of his way to take you guys to all these tournaments back then. Oh, yeah. You know, he, you know, and guys who couldn't afford it, you know, Mr. Bentley would pay for it. Usually, like in the summer times at the Black Cat Wrestling Club, what we do, we practice uh, Tuesday and Thursdays, and then we go to a tournament on Saturday. And that's what was like the whole summer. Gotcha. You know, so in the summertime, you get like 50 matches in the summer. And so, of course, you're going to improve getting all that wrestling. And it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was a, 
didn't feel like it was hard work. It was, you know, it was fun. Summer wrestling's the best. There's like everyone kind of has a little bit a lighter, you know, just a a pep in their step. You know, everyone's laid back. It's summertime. It's nice weather. Um, so where was the junior nationals at back then? Was it at UNI or Iowa City? It was UNI. Gotcha. Was that the mecca of summer wrestling, just like it is now? That was the ultimate, you know, going out there. And I remember going out there. I think I went out there two times. I went out there my junior year, and I went out there my senior year. And you would see the best guys in the country wrestling freestyle and Greco, and it was exciting. And some of the same guys you saw there, you would see them in college. Right. You know, some of the best. And then it was always, in the summertime, it was always fun because – you go to practice and you're hanging out with guys, you know, and, and it was just, it was just great. Right. And when did you, when did you make the jump from, cause you were an undefeated state champ as a senior and obviously had one of the great all time careers at Michigan. When did you like make the jump or the mental switch or when did it hook you to say, this is my, this is my shit. Like I'm going to be elite college wrestler doing this. When did it really click for you? Uh, I guess, Maybe my probably my 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 senior year. I remember Mr. Bentley used to give us um, an amateur wrestling news. Yeah, and I used to love to look at the amateur wrestling news because you would see like you know the, who's national champs or freshman of the year, and you see these people. And then I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be <laughs> an amateur wrestling news because you know it was a, a big publication back then. You know, and I start saying, well, you know, working hard putting the time in, you know, what you put in, you get out, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And so that really made an impact on you. Now, when you think about your situation for college, I found, I came across this name, Don Coleman. Uh, yes, that, who is yes. that? That That's my uncle. That's my great uncle. That was my mother's first uncle. And my uncle Don uh, went to Michigan State. And he was a tackle. He played for football for Michigan State. As a matter of fact, he's the first Michigan State player to have his number um, uh, retired. You know, first player ever, you know, to have it retired. And actually, when my senior year, my mother wanted me to wrestle at Michigan State. Oh, for sure. She wanted me to wrestle at Michigan State. I always wanted to go to Michigan. But the reason she wanted me to go to Michigan State, because she, my uncle went there, you know, he was still there as like a professor, and she felt it was somebody who would look out for me. Right. You know, but, you know that was my hardest choice, you know, telling my mom, no, nah, my, you know, I, I want to go to Michigan. And my father, he was like, hey, go where you want to go. And it worked out. And my mother, eventually, she came around and she thought it was a great choice. Were your mom and pops athletes back in their day? No, my parents, they weren't athletes. No? <laughs> but really, I, I, the, the people, those two people influenced me more than anybody, you know, and they were hard workers and instilled good values, you know, in me. And it's not, it's not always what they said. I saw what they did. And they were hard workers. My mother is one of the most mentally tough women, you know, that I've, persons I've ever known in my life. Mother was just an uh, inspiration to me. And my father, you know, a great guy, hard worker, honest. And I saw that, you know, it's, it's a different thing, part person telling you what to do, but then you see it. And so they instill great values for them. Just that old Midwestern discipline, that salt yeah. of the earth, you know? Yes, great people. Great people. What, so when you, when you got to Michigan, back then, you know, freshman 
phenoms were pretty rare. You had your Randy Lewis's and you had your Barry Davis's and you know, your yeah. freshman year, was that when you beat Barry Davis your freshman year at the Midlands? Uh yeah, that's when I yeah, beat Barry. So that's actually, that's that big. Second, that was my second time wrestling Barry. Uh my attitude going into college was that every match I wrestle, you know, I'm going to go all out, you know. And it's like the guy beats me, you know, he's going to know he's been in the match. Right. And that was my, that was my attitude. And I remember the first time actually, – actually, Barry was my first loss in college because we went to Northern Open, mm-hmm. and I ended up – I wrestled him. And back then, Northern Open, spectators can come on the mat, you know, and just check things out. So I'm wrestling Barry. You know, we're kind of going at it. And it's the third period. It's tied up. And so I look around, and then I'm seeing all these people around the mat, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> man, you know, like, what's up? And then I kind of froze up. I didn't wrestle like I was wrestling the first two periods and ended up losing that match. And so after that match, I was pretty disappointed in myself. Like, why the hell did you, you know, stop wrestling? You, know, you see all these people, you're freezing up or whatever. That's not you. And so I said, if I have ever opportunity, that, that's never going to happen again. You know, if I ever have an opportunity to wrestle him, I'm going to wrestle him the whole, you know, the whole match. And then a couple of weeks later, the Midlands, we end up wrestling again. You got the dub at that one. How big of a name was Barry Davis back then, though? Uh, he was the man. You know, he was. Uh, he had just came back from the '84 Olympics. He was. Uh, he took second in the Olympics. He was silver medalist. Yeah. Know, so I was competing against a silver medalist, and I think at that time, he. No, that was. And he's already graduated. No, he was the. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think. No, because he went down to 118 and beat McFarland in the finals yeah, that year. Yeah, yeah. That might have been his second title. He was okay. second. Diamond City champion in 84, silver, silver medals. So, I mean, big, big... were you like a blue chipper or were, wherever, was everybody like, who the heck is John Fisher taking Barry to the deep waters of the Northern you Open? You mean, but I wasn't a blue chipper, you know, or anything like that because really the colleges that were recruiting me, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State, and LSU, and some smaller colleges. Now, LSU, uh, uh, Larry Shakatano was the coach there, and I went down there for a recruiting trip. And actually, Kevin Jackson yeah. was already down there. I went there for a recruiting trip, had a great recruiting trip. Only problem is that it was too far. If it wasn't as far as it was, I might have went to LSU. <laughs> and then I like Larry Shakatano because they had a, um, a All-American, a returning All-American name. I think his name was Robbie Johnson. And I asked Shakatano, I says, well, what about uh, Robbie? You know, because we would be going the same way. He said, well, you know what? I think you can beat him, but if you can't, you'd redshirt. And I like that honesty because how my coach was, Mr. Bentley was, mm-hmm. you know, because Shaq could have said, hey, uh, you'll, you know, I, I know you'll beat him. But he was honest. He said, hey, I think you can beat him, but if you can't, you'd redshirt. Right. So, but it was just too far. Whatever happened to him, like, after LSU dropped the program, was he was he involved in wrestling at all? or uh, Shaq Atano? Yeah. I'm not sure. Actually, he was with USA Wrestling. He was still involved in wrestling, but I don't think he ever coached another college team. But he was involved in USA Wrestling a lot. Man, it's crazy to think that LSU had a team. That's so cool to imagine, you know? Like, like even UCLA used to have a program. That's where the Schultzes went, you know? It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's sad that they're, you know, dropping programs like that. And I think, I just heard they dropped Old Dominion. Yep. And that's, that's just sad. You know, yeah. Wrestling's a, a great sport the best um obviously we, we're gonna say that but um so take me to the midlands though so you 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 have barry again in the finals at the, was it at the finals 
when he beat no, him? No, actually, it was the semis. I, I, I wrestled him in the semis. Man, was it a close one, or did you put it on him? Uh, they had, like, back then, like, sometimes they would have Midlands. They would have different type of rules. Mm-hmm. And one of the rules, if you beat a guy by 10 points, the match was over. So I beat him 13-3. So it was Ooh. a match. Yeah. Wow, that that's a statement, man. As a true freshman coming in, beating Barry Davis thirteen three at the Midlands. I mean, back then the Midlands was everything. You know, yeah. it was huge. One of my favorite tournaments. Oh. Matter of fact, a few years later, Barry and I wrestled again. You know, Barry he's he's he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, and uh, we were in the finals, but this time we were at thirty four. We wrestled our the first year. My freshman year was at twenty six. We wrestled at uh, one thirty four. And before the match, we were in the finals. Uh, the announcer says, and it's a rematch of uh, from his freshman year. <laughs> and Barry laughed, you know. <laughs> Man, I grew so I grew up about two hours west of Chicago. And my dad would always say, hey, you know, this, this small school in Chicago, Northwestern, they host this tournament called the Midlands. And it is the cream of the crop. And it's the only tournament where, I mean, I don't know if it was the only one, but he would say it was, where non-college guys would wrestle college guys. And I thought it was just the coolest thing. And so we were obsessed with the Midlands as kids. And, like, I think my first year was probably, like, 99, 98. Whatever year Bill and Mike Zadick met in the finals and they decided to default, whatever that was. Oh, okay. That was my first year. But, man, I Midlands holds a special place in my heart. I love that it's, tournament. It's a great tournament. I remember going back and looking at some old brackets. You know, you go online and some of the guys are there, you know, they're, you know, Olympians in there. Yeah. There's, you know, time national champs, you know, and it was just a, a great tournament. Great tournament. One of my favorites. Great tournament. And you mentioned you had gone up to 136 or 134 when you wrestled Barry again. It reminded me, though, you were in the heyday of the big weight cutting, man. And you had a college coach who was an old school guy. What was the weight cutting scene like back then and, and on Michigan specifically? Well, for myself... I didn't have to cut much weight until my senior year. Okay. And then really when I really started cutting weight was when I graduated. Because when I graduated, I weighed 156 pounds. And I wrestled freestyle back then. The weight class was 136 and a half. So I cut from 156 to 136. And it, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, you know, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't cut a lot of weight when I was younger, because when I was in high school, I used to think two pounds was a lot of weight. To <laughs> <laughs> I used to like two pounds, you know, and then, you know, every year I had to cut a little bit more. But like I said, once I graduated at 156, cutting down to 136 and a half. And to do that, you have to be in pretty good shape just to cut that much weight. Because once you, you know, it's a gradual cut because I was making it, you know, say Sunday night, I'd be 156. And then by Saturday, I'd have to be 136 and a half. So you gradually would have to cut it down. And then your last day, it would be like five pounds of water weight. You would just take down five pounds of water weight. Right. But to be able to do that, you'd have to be in good shape just to be able to do that. Or if you cut the weight and then you try to wrestle, you'd be a mess. You just couldn't do it. I mean, so. think about that. You're exactly right. Think about what other sport do the people who are going to compete have to run like five miles a day before it's sitting in a sauna all day just to get the weight off. You know, it's like, God, especially back in those days, that's, that, that's the big time weight cutting era. Um, it's just crazy. And it's wrestling has come a long way. Fortunately. Oh yeah, it's definitely, I kind of wish 
when I was wrestling back then that the, some of the weight cutting uh, things they have now, you know, where you can only cut so much weight or, you know, and all that stuff, it'd be so much better now, so much better. And you had a super long career. When did you retire from freestyle? I retired at, at I was 38 years old, my last match. What year was that? Like 97, 98? Did you wrestle like 2000 Olympic trials? I'll let you do the math. I'm 54 <laughs> right now. And so I retired at, at, at the last match I wrestled was 38. Okay. I'm, I'm in sales. I'm bad with numbers. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, though. But I mean, what I was getting at, though, is you had an incredible you know, incredibly long freestyle career and you must've gone all over, man. What, what are some of your more memorable international trips? Did you ever go over to Russia or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, Russia a few times. I remember going to this tournament, uh, called, I mean, it was a, a town Ulande and it's like, uh, it was so cold there, but the people were just so nice. It was so nice. But actually what was crazy, if I knew you were to ask me that, I would have showed you this picture. I would I could have found this picture of these kids because I felt like a rock star over there. You know, the, the way they, you know, way they treated me. It's funny. They called my name. They gave me a, a nickname, Black Death. Because <laughs> <laughs> they weren't, because they weren't, they didn't see many black guys over there, you know. Right. But the people over there, they t- treated me nice. It was just a great, it was a great time, you know, and then they, it was a great time. And who were some of the Americans on that trip? Do you remember? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, people like uh, Kendall Cross, uh, uh, Royce Alger, uh, Kevin Jackson. Think. My memory's not as good now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm j- that heyday of USA Wrestling is so fun to talk about. Like 88, 92, 96. There were some yeah. great, great guys, I mean, including yourself. Before we get to international, talk to me a little bit about college. So, you you were in some just loaded brackets back then. Jim George, John Smith, obviously. Who would you say was one of your biggest college rivals back then? The biggest college rival, I guess. Well, uh, I would say John Smith. Yeah, I mean, you guys in in ninety two, obviously one of the one of the craziest best of threes ever. I mean. It's hard to even talk about it for me because I was a little nervous to ask you. But if you want to talk about it, we can. I mean, what do you remember from from those battles back in the day with with uh, with John Smith? Well, I remember the the, the year before the um, Olympic trials, I wrestled him in the freestyle nationals. In, okay. In, um, uh, ninety one, and you know I felt pretty confident, you know, that I could beat him because I'm like this. If if you don't think you can beat someone. Why even go out there and wrestle? You're just wasting your time. Right. You know? And so we wrestled in the finals and I felt confident. I went out, I took him down the first, you know, you know, the, the, the uh, first, uh, I got the first takedown. And so I'm, you know, feeling good. And he took me down. He leg laced me and you know, well, you know, the leg lace, he leg laced me and just roll, 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 yeah. roll. So 15 to one, yeah. you know, match. And so that whole year, you know, people were like, oh, John Smith, you know, he's definitely the number one guy. He's going to be represent, the, you know, uh, uh, America at 136 and a half. And my whole year, that whole year training, I was saying to myself, I can beat him. It's going to be close, but I know I can beat him. I can beat him. So our first match, we go out. Actually, right before our, before our first match, Dave Schultz, I was a member of Foxcatcher. Dave Schultz 
uh, great guy, Dave Schultz, you know, one of the best technicians ever. A few minutes before my match, he says, Fish, come here. He says, I want you, when you're out there wrestling him, I want you to do your hand like this, follow him. When he's doing all this fakes, just follow him, you know, use your hand, you know. And said, I said, okay, you know, and it was something simple, you know, he didn't, you know, it was something simple. So I go out there, we're wrestling, and the things Dave, you know, told me about using my hand, it was very effective, you know, and I beat him that match. And so people, the crowd, they just got silent because they couldn't believe it. You know, John Smith, you know, he lost the match. What was the score? Do you remember? Was it close? It was, was, I think, 6-2. Oh, shit. So you put it on him a little bit. First match. And then, so the second match, people hyped for that second match, you know, second match. And so I end up seeing, funny, I saw John Smith, and he saw me, and he's probably like, you know, 30 feet away from me. And he looked, and I saw him like hit a chair or something, and then I I kicked the chair, you know? (laughs) And so the second match, we come back. And it's a good match, and he ends up winning that match. And we were in a situation where he got in on a high crotch, and we were by the edge. And if I could have, I, I, I was in his crotch, and I was on a flip him out of bounds. If I could have flipped him out of bounds, I would have got two points. But instead of flipping him out of bounds, I slipped, went to my back, and he got two. Okay. So he ended up winning that match. And then, so, you know, people hyped up. So the third match comes out. And I'll just make this part short because – I don't even like to think about it. I'll just say he got his hand. I didn't get my hand raised. Right, right. I didn't get my hand raised. There were a lot of controversial calls in that match. But I kind of blame myself because my attitude was, it's going to be close. I can beat him. I shouldn't have been thinking like that. I should have been thinking, hey, I want to dominate this match. I don't want to leave it in the ref's hands, you know, because he was already a a returning Olympic champ. And if it's close, he deserves that. I mean, it's just because the ref's going to get a benefit of doubt, you know, and then he went on to, um, you know, win the Olympics. Right. You know, and the way, and it's, let me tell you something about that. He, he won the Olympics and the way they used to have it back then, um, they had pools. Right. And he had the Russian in his pool. He had um, the Cuban. The Cuban in his pool and it was him. So they had the best pool. They had the tough, toughest guys. Well, the Cuban beat Smith. And Smith tore up the Russian, and the Russian beat the Cuban. So by the point system, Smith won that pool. And so he went on, I think he beat the, the South Korean or North Korea, beat a Korean guy, and he was Olympic champ. And Reynoso, who beat him, I wrestled him like six months later in the World Cup, and I beat him. You know, So I would have had a good chance, you yeah. know, chance of the Olympics would have been just as good as his. You know, but hey, he was—he's a great champ, one of the greatest ever, and not many people can say they beat him in his prime. Not at all, man. I mean, there's only five people in the Cuban. He beat him twice. He even beat him before that, I believe. Had you wrestled him, the Cuban, before the '92 trials? Uh, that's the first time I ever wrestled Reynoso. That was the first time. Gotcha. And so, when you were, tr- did you live at Foxcatcher Farm, or were you just representing the club? Uh, I just represented the club. Gotcha. I didn't. I didn't live out there. I just went out there from time to time to train. Okay. So, who, what was your like RTC? I know they didn't call them RTCs back then, but like, what was your training environment like? Were you just the assistant coach, and that was your workout through there? No, no. What? Well, I was still working. I was still uh, helping out in Michigan, 
But I'd go out there. They would have training camps out there. And then I would go out there for a couple of weeks and train, like, before nationals. Or if yeah. you got an international tournament, you go out there. And, you know, and it was a great place because, like I said, people like Dave Schultz lived out there. And um, I remember the first time I went out to Foxcatcher Farms, I stayed at the big house. They call it the big house, with you know, with DuPont. And then um, the next few, the next time I went out there, I was supposed to stay with Dave. And I didn't really know Dave shows, you know, very well back then, you know, because I remember uh, he used to coach at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then I used to say, you know, I used to think this is a strange guy, you know, <laughs> until I got to know him. And then I stayed at his place and, you know, got to know him the best guy ever. Him and his wife, Nancy, you know, mm-hmm. kids. And, you know, it, I loved staying there with him, you know, because he was the type of guy um, like at nighttime, I, I was, I stayed up night, uh, stayed up late at night. He stayed up late at night. You know, we'd be walking around. He'd be like, fish, come here, man. Let me, let me show you this. I think this would help your wrestling. So he was always thinking wrestling, you know, and you know, that, that impressed me. So I, re- I really loved going out to Fox Catcher and be around day shows. And he was like the coach at that time, right? Cause he retired and, or was he still wrestling? He was still wrestling. Yeah. He was a coach out there. They had another guy, um, they had Jadordoff, uh, uh, Valentin. Yeah. He was out there. So it was a great training environment. He had some of the best guys, you know, re- who knew their wrestling. Definitely knew their wrestling. Did you get to wrestle um, Valo at all? Was that what they called him, Valo? Valentin? Yeah, Valo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got to wrestle Valo. He was just, he was smaller than me, but he was a tough guy. And he just knew so much technique. So that was great having him and Dave out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think two of the best technicians, you know, we've ever had. Well, I mean, I've I've had actually had Nancy Schultz on this podcast, and we've all watched the documentary Foxcatcher. I assume most people listening have. But give us a sense of when you first get out there and you see the big house. Like, did you meet Dupont face to face ever? Like, talk to him? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the first time I went out there, I stayed at Dupont's place. Okay. You know, I stayed yeah. there. And then uh, the next time I came out there, I, that's when I started staying with Dave. You know, it was a great environment because back then, like, if, if I called, you know, DuPont and said, hey, I need tapes of such and such, they'd be there, you know, within a couple of days. They would be there, you know. And so uh, when you went out there, whatever you needed, you had it out there. So it was a great environment, you know. It's just I just wish – the things that happened right. hadn't happened, you know, with Dave and all that stuff. But it was a great, a great wrestling environment. Great and, wrestling. And the facility looks sweet too. Like from the videos you look at, the wrestling room looks sick back then. It was nice. It was nice. You know, they had everything you would want. You know, and then too back then, the videos, you know, just watching tape. You know, you could get whatever you wanted there. You know, so it was, it was definitely a great environment. That's funny that 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 little detail, like now we take it for granted, right? But back then, that was a big deal to get some fresh tape on some wrestlers, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and because it wasn't as accessible as it is now. You know, you go on YouTube and you can see whatever you want. You know, matter of fact, uh, I was just uh, checking out uh, Jordan Burroughs and uh, a couple of his matches with like Kyle Dake and and him and David Taylor, and just I was just checking it out and, and being amazed how. The one match, he's down 6-3 with, you know, 40 seconds, and he wins the match, you know, so you can see, you know, see stuff like that. You know, back then, it wasn't as accessible, you know. And- I know. It's amazing that some of those matches from your era are available now. Just quite a few from that timeline that are up now. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't – I just don't know how 
people, I guess USA Wrestling probably has all of them in some big archive somewhere. But um, who who are some of your favorite guys to watch wrestle now nowadays? Well, like I said, uh, uh, Jordan Burroughs, um, uh, uh, Kyle Dake. Yep. Um, oh, Jaden Cox. I think you know that's that's a that's, that's a, a wrestler one. right there. Woo! <laughs> You know, soon, you know, he wins an Olympic title or a couple more world championships. He'll be right up there with Jordan Dakes. Man. I really like him with the way he wrestles. He's the person hard to score on and, you know, just ex- exciting. You know, I've seen him from, like, you know, uh, I watched the matches of him and uh, I can't think of his name, Snyder. Yeah. In high school. I didn't know they wrestled in high school. And I watched the matches of them wrestling in high school. You know, so. That was going to be a match this year, Cox and Snyder. I mean, that at the Olympic team trials. I mean, obviously none of, none of it happened, but those two going at it, were going to be, that was going to be, there's going to be two matches, right? JB and Dake for that spot. And then Cox and Taylor uh, or, or uh, not Cox and Taylor um, Snyder. Yeah. That was going to be looking forward to both of those matches. You know, as a matter of fact, I just saw uh, online uh, Dake actually uh, Ben Askren put it together. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And that was great, the back and forth. You know? Wrestling needs a little more shit talking, I think. I like it. I'm all about it. <laughs> That's why I think I went and started looking. I wanted to look at the matches again of of, uh, of uh, Jordan Burroughs and Dake. And I didn't know because Dake was saying, you know, he can't take me down or something like that. And then I saw a couple matches. He took him down a lot. Took him down a lot, yeah. <laughs> took him down a lot. So I was like, okay. 2017 was the last year they had the, because now they have 10 weight classes for the world, but 2017 was the last year they only had like six weight classes. And Jaden Cox wrestled David Taylor. That match went to three. Yeah. That one went to three matches. And then so did JV and Dake. And like that one match, Dake threw him around a little bit with that chest lock. But then, you know, Burroughs is just like a heart of a lion, dude, heart of a champion. He'll never allow himself to get beat like that. Yes, he's a good person for people to watch because when I watch that match, I've never seen him like panic. Right. You know, he's won he's won a lot of matches in like the last few seconds, you know, because I'm thinking when I watched him and uh David Taylor wrestle, you know, you're down six three and David Taylor's a beast. Beast. You know, three, you you know, and you need two takedowns. And he didn't panic. You know, I was very impressed with that. And watching his match and how he took him down, then he needed one more takedown. And he took him down. He, he got up from, you know, after uh, the ref, they put him back up, and he took him down just like that. Right. You know, it's like I'm, I'm very impressed with, you know, that type of wrestler. You know, he's one of my favorites. I mean, he's you want to watch an absolute scrap. Um, Burroughs versus this guy from Russia, Sitikov. These guys, every time they go... So, Sitikov has beat Burroughs the last two years. Sitikov's won the Worlds two years in a row. Every single time, it's like 30 seconds left, and there's two or three lead changes in 30 seconds. It's unbelievable. It's a um, great match to watch. But, man, you just talk about just the advancement from wrestling. How 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 much better are kids at a younger age than they were back in the 80s when you were coming up, man? Kids are so advanced now. Yeah, I, I think because of technology, it's not that... They're, they're, they are advanced, not that they're better. Right. They're, they're advanced because there are some guys in the 80s would do just as well now, you right. know, with the things they have. It's just that I think they have 
better access to you know various coaches because you can go to these uh, uh, these training centers, all these OTCs all over you know all over the country. Right. And so you got more access to videos. You know, you want to look up just like I said. You know, you want to look up and study. You know, matches of Jordan. You want to study matches of of Cox, or you want to go back in old school and look at Dave Schultz, or you know, you have that access now. Right. To get better. It's amazing. And then you believe it too, because I'm thinking now you got these guys coming in as freshmen. They're not waiting until their seniors or junior years to be national champs. They're like, I'm doing it now because they've seen other people do it and they believe it that it's hey, if he can do it, I can do it. You know, right. I'm coming in. I'm not waiting until I'm a junior. Or, you know, I want. I'm winning it now. Right. You know? Right. I mean, one of your Michigan boys, Stevan Michik, he's a freaking specimen, man. Do you, do you oh, ever yeah. get in there and roll around with those guys anymore? I'm trying to, but actually, maybe before this happened, a couple, two or, two or three months, I went up to practice, and they were doing some drilling stuff. And actually, I went with Michik a little bit, but we were just drilling situation stuff. Okay. He's a hell of a wrestler. Dude, he's fun to watch, too. Now, you and Borme seem to have a good relationship. Did you coach him? Because he wasn't a teammate of yours, right? He's a little younger. He came in after. So, yeah, I was I was still coaching there when he was there. Okay. He was a uh, – I don't know, you know, I know about his story in high school, but don't know much about him in college, man. What was he like to coach, and what was his mentality back in the day? Oh, man, he was intense, just like he is at coaching, you know. He was a hardcore, a hardcore wrestler. He was, he was tough, you know, uh, in the finals twice. He's just a hardcore guy, hardcore guy. And was a means dad around back then too? What's that? Was a means dad oh, around? Me and we were on it. We were teammates. Okay. We were teammates. Yeah. He was a tough guy too. Mike, you know, took second in the nation. Uh, he's, and you can see where his sons get the intensity, you know, from Mike. Just great guys. Man, you're you're around some. Just being a Michigan person, I mean, I don't know if old man Torello was still coming around during that time or not, but, I mean, there's some great names in that Michigan history. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Torello, the, the, uh, uh, Mark Sr., my freshman year, he was coming in the room, and Steve Fraser. Because actually, when I, my freshman year, Steve Fraser had won the Olympics in 84, and the training program that they had in the Olympics – he brought it to Michigan, you know, and so that really helped take us to another level. Gotcha. Okay. Level. I mean, and <clears throat> if you think back, Mark Johnson was part of the, I mean, he was at Iowa at that point, but I mean, a lot of those Michigan guys were, were legit level guys and you come in and, you know, you wrestled, I mean, you had 40 wins a year, all four years. What happened after your freshman year and your sophomore year? Did you just redshirt or did you take a, Take a year I, off. I redshirted because my after my freshman year, actually it was in the Big Tens, I uh, dislocated my shoulder. Ah. And it was an injury from high school that flared up in college. And I think it was because of, of it, was a, it was a technique, you know, shooting doubles and sometimes extending your arm out and not having your arms in. I put a lot of pressure on it. And so my last match in the Big Tens, my shoulder popped out. And then from then on, every match I wrestled, like when I went to Nationals, my shoulder would, you know, I'd be in a match, I'd stick my arm out, and it'd pop out. And so it just progressively got worse. Like that summer, I tried to rehab it and, you know, didn't pop out or anything like that. But my first tournament, 
uh, it popped out. I was in the finals and it popped out and, you know, uh, and it just progressively got worse. It got to the point where I'd sleep and my shoulder would just slide out. And so then so I had to have surgery and, you know, I was out for nine months. And that really hurt me too because that's probably once I started wrestling in eighth grade, being out for nine months, that's the longest that I went without wrestling. And usually when you redshirt, Guys are trying to get better. They're doing things to get better, working on their technique, working on their strength, yep. and things like that. And then you can still uh, you can still go to open tournaments. So I, I didn't have an opportunity to go to any of those things. So that's why I set out uh, that year. Gotcha. And then you came back. I mean, your win your win total is absolutely incredible because guys don't wrestle that many matches anymore. You had forty wins all four years. Did you ever? think you're like man this is freaking crazy it's maybe too much or you just love love competing no i just love competing you know i love competing and like in high school i wrestled a lot of matches but even now like high school you know in michigan there's guys who have 200 matches you know right right Right. so i never thought it was too much i mean i like wrestling to get better in wrestling you gotta wrestle right but i mean i think your win total i got i gotta see what some other ones are now i mean that's an incredible number because if you look at some of like the Iowa Penn State guys now, they might only have like 20, 30 matches a year. Yeah. You had like 180 some wins. Do you remember what it is? The exact number? It's like 182. I think, it, I think I have 183 or 84. 183 God. or 84. Dang. That's, that's incredible, man. I mean, it's all-time record for Michigan. I, I swear to God, it's got to be the all-time NCAA record. I mean, I, I can't. I'm going to do a little poll later on Twitter and see what, what it comes in at, but I can't imagine too many guys getting more than that, you know? Why not? It, it, it is. It has – I have I have the most wins. In it, NCAA it history? Uh, yeah. Holy shit. So it is. Okay. I mean, that's – of all the people – What's of, that? All the people who've wrestled in college, you have more wins than anyone. That's amazing. And now you're uh, – I've read that from a young age you wanted to be a teacher. You felt a real calling to be an educator and to, to impact people. Um, talk about what, what that's, what that experience has been like and, you know, what kind of school are you working at these days? And, um, are you coaching wrestling at all there? Yeah, I'm a, I'm an elementary teacher. And the one thing I like about teaching is that you're preparing, uh, students, you know, for life and I'm a PE teacher. So I get to see all the kids and I like that, you know, I get this, I get to see all the kids. Yeah. And um, like I said, you, you're, you uh, teachers impact people for a lifetime. You know, like I said, like Mr. Bentley, like my coach, some of the things that I learned from him have helped me to be the success I am, you know, right. And for my students, that's what I'm trying to impact on them. You know, should, to, to, I want them to have great lives. I want them to have great lives. I mean, it keeps you young being around those kids too, doesn't it? They're fun. Oh, yeah. I love it. As a matter of fact, like I coach middle school and I never thought I would coach, thought I would coach middle school. And the only reason I started coaching middle school is one of my former teammates, Stacy Richmond, who I was a high school uh, teammate. Uh, his son was coming to uh, the middle school and he says, hey, you know, would you, would you uh, coach Stacy? His, his son's name is Stacy, too. And I says, no, nah, I, I don't want to coach middle school. And then, you know, he stayed on me. And I says, well, Stacy, even if I decide to teach, we get out later than you because middle school get out a little earlier. He says, well, I'll do this. I'll start to practice until you get there. 
So I said, okay, I'll do it one year. You know, I was just going to do it one year. And I got there. I did it to one year, but I liked it so much. It's been like nine years now. I'm stunning. You know, I loved it so much. And I just saw how, how it changed kids. Because I had one kid a few years back. We started practice. We get like 60 guys out for our team. Like this year, we had wow. 60 guys on our team. Yeah, we get a lot of kids coming out. And so I had this kid. It was the first day of practice. And I'm warming kids up. And usually, our first week, I go hard. Because I want the kids to know this is how it's going to be. And I guarantee you, if you make it this first week, You'll make it the whole. It's a it's eight week season. I said you'll make it the whole the whole season. Yeah. You can make it here. And so the first day of practice, I got him running, and I see this kid on the side. He's crying. I'm like, hey, well, what's wrong? You know, I, I'm thinking someone did something to him. And I said, anything? You know, you all right? He says, yeah. And I says, well, why are you crying? He says, because I don't want to be here. And I'm like, well, you don't have to be here. Leave. He says, no, I can't. I said, what do you mean you can't? You can go. He said, my mom told me to come. She says, I, I got to go for the wrestling team, you know? <laughs> and so the kid, by the time the end of the season was over, he was loving it. And he came back the next couple of years. Okay. He had a smart mom. His mom knew that he needed to toughen up, and she forced him to come out for the wrestling team. And that was the best thing ever happened to him. And he came out for the team. He enjoyed it. You know, he took it. He took his lumps and everything. But yeah. over time, he got better. And a lot of times, I tell the guys, I guarantee you, I sit them down, I say, I guarantee you, I'm not going to say you're going to win every match. I, but from this day until the end of the season, I guarantee you, every single one of you will be better than when you started. I can guarantee you that. 100%. You know, music, you know, that happens. And, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's uh, gratifying to see their improvement, you know? Well, especially at that that middle school level, I, I know exactly what you mean when you say the eight-week season because there's, like, you have the, the middle school eight-week season, then you have the club season, and that's, like, you're doing 80 matches a year, you're doing the state series, you know? So you're doing the grassroots local level, and that's where you're really going to make a change because I'm sure a lot of kids who come in there have never wrestled before. Oh, yeah. You know what? The majority of the kids who come in, they've never wrestled. Half my kids never wrestled, and then you have two weeks – to get them prepared for the season. So it helps me as a coach because over the years I started learning, okay, this is a technique. I got to give them a foundation so they can build upon that because I don't want some kid to come in there and they wrestle in a match and they just get beat up and they're not having fun. You know, right. I want them to, you know, I want the first thing I'm trying to get them in shape. And then as the season goes on, they start learning too that some guys who are more talented than them, they beat them because of their condition. I've had guys get tore up in you know first two periods, and I keep telling them, keep going, keep going, and they just wear that guy down. And they come off, and just to see their excitement and you know their face, like, oh, coach, I was getting tore up, but he just died. <laughs> he just died. I said, yes, you know. And then kids, they start seeing, okay, if I'm listening to what coach says, he's talk about you know you work hard and you believe in yourself. You're gonna be, you know, you're gonna have success, you know. And and, and some of these uh, kids, they come in, uh, they're they're nervous, and I tell them, you know what? In your match, everyone's gonna be nervous. I guarantee you're gonna be nervous. You know, don't let that guy intimidate you, because some guys come out, they're looking big, they're staring at you. And I say, if you start getting afraid, don't look at them then. Look away, you know. Right. Look right. Until the start. Match start. Shake your hand. You do your best. You know. I'm gonna always be proud of you. You go out and give 100. percent 
I'm gonna be, you're a winner. I'm gonna be proud of. You. Man, that's cool. I'm I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it, man. Because some of those young kids who had never wrestled before, like they don't really know what it can do for them. Because like they don't have parents that are saying, "Hey, you." I mean, except for that one kid, like a lot of kids may have no idea. And then they, they look back ten years later, they're like, "Man, Coach Fisher, he really set me straight in middle school." That's a cool thing to have, you know. Yeah, and then and they motivate me too because. I learned sometimes you giving people advice, you're telling kids, oh, toughen up or do this or do that. And then sometimes I think when I'm having some tough time in my life or something going on, I'm saying, you're telling these kids this, you got to, you know, do what you say, you know, right. motivate me. And I see some of these kids, some of the things that they go through in life, you know, I find a little bit about them. I'm like, wow, this is going home and, you know, he's dealing with this at home and he's coming in here and this attitude, man. That, that's tough, you know, and you learn a lot about kids because right. I have kids who, in practice, they're so-so, and then I see them in a match. I'm like, damn, this little this little dude's a beast. <laughs> like when, the, when the lights come on, you know, he's he's there. He's ready. You know, he's a gamer. You know, maybe in practice he's, you know, he's not. But when it, it, when it means something, and I'm like, I'm impressed. And some of them, they shock me. Man. So, do they know you're? Uh, they're dealing with a with a legend there. Or do you ever? Do you, any of the dads come in and be like, "That's that's John Fisher." Yeah, but I've had some. I've had some guys tell their 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 fathers tell them. Because one kid, when I first started coaching at the middle school, one kid he went home. You know, father asked, "Who's your coach?" And then he says, uh, "You know, my, my coach's name is John. You know, he's John Fisher." And then the father didn't believe him. Like, he hell said, no. <laughs> Tell him first, you know, tell me he came to a match. He's like, you were telling the truth. You know? <laughs> Man, so do, do you get involved then with, like, the club season at all? Do you do privates or do you just do the eight weeks and, and that's good for you? A few years back, I had a club going on, but I got busy, like, my, my, my son and, you know, just things, and then I kind of uh, let that go a little bit. Now, you know, I do some private stuff, you know, but other than that, you know, I, I do my middle school. It's a lot of work, that, that year-round club thing. I mean, that is an incredible amount of work. Yeah, because you got practice, and then you got the tournaments. And, right. You, know, you can have Saturday tournaments. You can have Sunday tournaments. And it's a, it's a, it makes it a long week. And then I got my teaching. Right. And so it makes it long. Does your son wrestle? He never wrestled. No? never wrestled. That's and okay, I, though. He would have been a tough kid in – he told me his uh, freshman year at, at Pioneer, he went to Pioneer, one of my refs, because I coached at Pioneer, I coached at a middle, I mean, not middle school, high school a few years back. One of my wrestlers had told me, he says, uh, I, went to your, I went to your son. I says, Fish, because, you know, I called him Fish. He says, you know, why don't you wrestle? Your dad, he was good, and he did this. And he said, that's why, because he felt people would be comparing him but the way my son, he played football and he, you know, he did track and he was a stud. He's the type of kid that if he had a wrestled, he would have been a hard worker and his goal would have been to beat me. And right now, <laughs> he would have been, he would have beat me. Right. But I tell him now, I says, John, it's too late now. You didn't wrestle. You'll never be able to beat me now. <laughs> Is he well, still around the house, man? Or what's he up to these days? No, I'm proud of, I, I'm going to brag on my boy a little bit. Brag, baby. I, in high school, you know, he was a, a great in track, great in football, a, a great student. Matter of fact, he goes to DePaul now in Chicago. Okay. And he's a senior at DePaul. Um, he's got a 395 grade point average. 
You know, I couldn't ask for a better son, you know. And it's like, I wish he had a wrestle, but he didn't. You know, he's doing his own thing, and I can respect that. And um, I expect great things. I don't know. I'm proud of my boy. I mean, proud. that's where I'm at in Chicago, man. DePaul's a great school. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just sad that they're not going to have a graduation. My boy worked hard. Oh, you know, no. No, but that that's what everywhere. There's not there's no graduations in high school, there's no graduations in college now with the COVID nineteen. And um he said that they're thinking about trying to postpone it, you know. I I don't care if it's next year. I want him to have a graduation ceremony. Absolutely. And you gotta think they're gonna let them walk like the next like this winter semester or the next spring semester. You gotta think they're gonna do something to make it right. Yeah, yeah. They they have to. You know, it's it's just sad that you know, I feel for like the seniors in high school, you know, like Michigan, they didn't have a graduation, you know, with the, with the NCAA, you know, canceling wrestling, canceling the winters. I mean, all the, the spring sports, it's just, it's just tough, you know, and like with me, with teaching now, um, we're doing online teaching, but actually that's, that's not bad for me because now I'm doing videos for my kids, you know, exercise videos. Yeah. And, Doing videos showing showing that I'm still working out. Yep. Still wish I w- was with my kids, but you know, the videos. Uh, I think they're they're enjoying them. So you love it that much that you wish you were back there with them versus just kicking it at home. That's cool. Oh yeah, 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 yeah much. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy I enjoy what I'm what I'm doing. Yeah. What well, it's like. Anytime you can impact a kid at a young age where like maybe you see someone's getting bullied or something like that and you can go up to them and give them a few words of encouragement, that's cool because the reality is that a lot of kids don't have parents who are positive or parents who are around at all. You know, so if you can step in and do something about that, guy or girl, that's a cool thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's funny, I've been teaching since nineteen ninety one. I was I was yeah, yeah. Well once So you I were wrestled- teaching when you were wrestling through all this stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I tried out for the Olympics, I had a, I had a full time job. I had a full time oh. job. So yeah. did you only travel in the summer? Or did you take time off to travel in like the winter months? I would, I would travel in the summer, and then actually a couple times I got to go to Cuba because I had a good principal who helped me out to be able to get the time to go off. <laughs> You know, or we, and then two here in, in Michigan, we had, well, we used to have winter break. Sometimes you could go to a tournament on a winter break or a spring break, you know, and so I had the opportunity to do that. Sure. You know, but really, but, but teaching and, and wrestling, it had kept me focused because you couldn't mess around in the morning when I had to train, I had to train. Mm-hmm. I had to do something at lunch. I had to do something at lunch or after school. So you had to be disciplined to be able to do that, you know. So what was your daily routine like back then? Back then, it, I, I would work out in the morning time. You know, I'd get up early. I'd work out in the morning. And then... Like a run or a lift or what kind of workout would it be? It, it would vary. You know, sometimes I would run. Sometimes I would lift. If I'd, be, if I'd get someone to wrestle, I'd wrestle. I'd vary, I'd vary it up, you know. But I'd do something before school. And then being a PE teacher helped me out a lot, too, because... I'm active with the kids. The kids see that I'm active, you know. And most kids, they were like, oh, Mr. Fisher's always moving around. Did you ever <laughs> you know? And if I got 10 classes a day and I'm doing things with them, that's a, a, a mini workout right there. For sure. Like, say we're doing the mile. Say I got kids doing the mile and I'm testing them for the mile. 
and say, well, back then I had eight classes. Now I have 10 classes. But say I have eight classes that day, okay? And I run one mile with them. That's eight miles I got in. Would you do that? Yeah, yeah. I never had a gym teacher run the mile with me. <laughs> That's you cool. Know, you know, so I, I do that. And it wasn't like every day. Right. But then, like, say I was taking a day off where I wasn't going to wrestle or anything. This was sort of be my workout. I'm doing stuff with the kids. You know, I get my eight miles in or whatever or whatever I'm doing. Right. So, you know, that'd be that'd be a workout. That that you know, being it keeps me young because I, I like to be active with the kids also. Keeps so, me young. So I'm doing the math in my head. First of all, you look like you're like thirty five right now. And you've been you've been teaching for almost thirty years. Are you about ready to retire? You're gonna keep going. Yeah. Well, I have well here in Michigan, I've been teaching for it's twenty eight years. And I bought years. You can buy years. So really, I have thirty-three years. You can buy years. You can you you can yeah you can buy what you call it, buy years yeah. And so I have thirty-three years with my bought years. And in Michigan, you can retire at thirty and thirty years. But what I'm doing now, I'm just taking it year by year now. You know, year by year. You've got to be the youngest looking fifth year old I've ever seen in my life. Coach, you could go back to go back to uh back to the mats now, man, and get in there and scrap with these guys. I swear to God, I can't believe you've been teaching for that long. Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the kids keep me young and like I said, I try to stay active. Uh, I'm just you know, it, like I said, it keeps you young. Like a few years back, I had got sick. And I couldn't be active. You know, I was sort of almost like bedridden, you know. Just What'd you get? What's that? What'd you get? It was a it was a disease called sarcoidosis. Okay. I don't know if you know Bernie Mac, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had that. And it's a it's it's a autoimmune disease that attacks your lungs. But mine, what it did, it, it attacked my brain and my spine because and when I first was diagnosed, it was like I came from Steve Fraser camp. I had he had a camp in the summertime. Mm-hmm. But after that camp, I was so tired. I couldn't believe my time. Never been that tired in my life. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctor diagnosed me with mono. He said, "Okay, you got mono." So the whole summer, I thought I had mono. And so when school started, the first week of school, I'd be walking, and I would just fall. You know, and that happened to me a few times and I got scared. So I was like, you know what? I got to go, you know, the doctor and check this out. So they did all these tests. And that's when they found out that I had that sarcoidosis. It's called sarcoidosis. And so it just wiped me out, you know, for like two years. Eventually, two years, I gradually got better, you know, and I couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. And so I've always appreciated life. But after getting through that and even now i still have to go every six months to get blood work to make sure it doesn't come back or anything like that so after going through something like that it's like um every chance i can i'm gonna take care of myself and i think if i wasn't in good condition then that would have killed me then you know so those autoimmune things are nasty yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I getting through that is two things. Getting through that and the death of my mother, I can get through anything. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, – there's a there's a wrestling coach up here who's now the executive director for Beat the Street Chicago, but he had – his name's Mike Powell. He had um, – and still has it. You know, it doesn't go away. Polymyositis. It's also an autoimmune thing where he just got so weak and tired. He went to the doctor. He's like – 
I used to be able to do 50 pull-ups like last week. I can only do like four now. And like gradually it got worse. He lost like 40 pounds and he was in the thick of it for a couple of years where he could, couldn't even walk without a cane. He still has it and he still feels it, but not like he did then. So like, were you like bedridden? Huh? Is he better now? Better. Like you, if you saw him, you wouldn't know he had it. But if I guess before he had it, he was like just jacked. He wrestled 170 at Indiana. He was a one-time All-American, but like he was like kind of like a meathead guy. But now yeah. he looks like a normal guy. But he still says that he he'll never feel the same again. Like, do you feel back to 100? percent I'm yeah, I'm good now. Because really, like I I mean I work out a lot. I mean I like working out, and it just makes me feel good, you know, because that situation was. You know, like I said, beside my mother passing away, that was the worst time in my life because I felt so weak. I remember, I remember one day, I was like, "Freak this! I'm gonna beat this! I'm gonna go up to uh, work out." And I went to a gym, and I I ran one lap around uh, in the gym, and I was like, "I can't make it." You know, I went home. I was laid up in the bed for a couple of days. It just wore me out, and so I really couldn't get around. And one thing, one good thing about disease it never got worse it it, it it incrementally got better but it took two years before i was 100 percent because they had me on uh prednisone like the steroid yeah, yeah, and when yeah. the doctor told me he's gonna put me on steroid it's like i never believed in taking drugs or anything like that people trying to get jacked i've never you know messed with that i don't drink i've never i've never been a drinker or you know or anything really? like that no, I didn't, I didn't drink. No, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a drink. I don't drink. Like, and I, I drank two times in um, my fresh, my recruiting trip in Michigan. And then on New Year's, my uh, uh, freshman year. And then <laughs> both times, I got messed up. And then, <laughs> and then and the New Year's Eve, when I got messed up, is... Uh, the next day, we were supposed we were in Florida in a tournament. We were supposed to go to uh, I don't know if it's Disneyland or Disney World, whichever one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was so messed up that and so sick that I stayed in the sick uh, the, the the medical uh, tent the whole day. That was it for me. I was like, ah, drinking is that you know. So so college, I wasn't drinking. People already knew, like in college, give him a give him a, his cranberry juice. He's good. Man, and so when you were at when do you when do you think you were at the low point of this thing? Like that's that fall, or did it get worse that year? It got well. Well, the low point was when I knew that I couldn't get around like I wanted to, because that year I still talked, and so that was a tough year. I was thinking I'm not going to make it. You know, PE teacher need to get around. So what I would do. It's like I'm a pretty active person. Like when I'm teaching, I'm moving around. I don't, I don't, I don't sit around. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. like to sit around. But then that year, I'd have to sit down, and then at lunchtime, I would just go down to the lounge. I would sleep, and then, and then after school, I'd go straight home. I go to bed, and then like at four or five o'clock, you go to bed. What's that? You go to bed at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, because I was so tired. I mean, this disease. I mean, I was. It. It just. I was just so tired. I was just so tired. And then that was just, that was depressing because that was my existence, you know? And then eventually my, I went to see another doctor, a rheumatologist, because they were saying they got to get you off this prednisone because when they first started with that steroids, 
And like I said, I didn't take drugs or anything like that, but I was like, wow, I'm gonna be on steroids. Well, that gets you jacked. So even though I guess I'll be jacked, you know, but that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the type of steroid. Cause at first the sickness got me real thin. Cause people would see me and like, wow, you lost a lot of weight. And I didn't, I didn't notice how much weight I lost until, uh, after this sickness was over a couple of years, I looked at some pictures and I looked like death. God. I looked so skinny. But when you get on prednisone, you gain a lot of weight, a lot of water weight. You know, mm. you look puffy. So I looked, I looked real big, you know, and it was kind of embarrassing because people would see me and they were like, wow, you, you put on some weight, huh? And then I would always explain it to them, you know, my sickness and stuff like that. Then it got to a point where it seems like people were like happy or something. So I just got to the point where when someone said, yeah, you put on weight. Yeah, I put on weight. I didn't even explain anymore. I didn't, you know, because you see people, so I didn't even worry about it. And so uh, eventually my doctor, they sent me to a rheumatologist and, and I was like, well, I don't have arthritis. But then the reason they sent me to a rheumatologist, because some of the symptoms I had, that's what, um, that doctor was would deal with. So they put me on this this cancer drug. I didn't even know it was called prednisone. And so I not prednisone, uh, methotrexate. And so I was on that for a while. And eventually that got me better. And they weaned me off of that. And then ever since then, I've been fine. I just have to get blood work every six months for the rest of my life. And you know, I feel good. They say it could come back, but I used to worry about that. But I don't even worry about that. If it comes long, back, I'll deal with it. If it doesn't, you know, hey, thank God. How long has it been since it? So since you've been scot free, two years you said, or longer than that? No, 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 no. This was this happened years ago. This oh. is this was um, this was probably now probably 11, 12 years ago. Okay, okay. It's like man, that the first time you realize you can't just like wrestler tough it out. That's a humbling thing, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a believer in God. So the, you know, people used to ask me because I was like, oh, you know, the wrestler mentality, you know, you tough it out, you, you can tough out anything, but it wasn't that way. So it got to the point where people would say, what can I do? And I would just say, pray for me. And that's what I told people. You know, and I remember seeing my son, I, I, I remember apologizing to him, saying, I'm sorry, John, you know, cause I, me and my son were tight, you know, we play and I would do things with them. I was very involved in his life. And I just couldn't do anything. And I remember telling him, said, I'm sorry. And he says, don't worry about that. I love you. And, you know, good guy. You know, John, my son's a good kid. And that made me feel good. You know, it's, it's a tough time in my life, but you get through stuff. That's part of life. And now, like now we're getting through something. And you are, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, globally we are. But, I mean, it's just great to hear about. I didn't even know about that story coming into it, honestly. It makes sense why you're such a, a positive and grateful person now because I'm sure you were like that before, but really just drives it home after you've gone through something like that. You know, that shit can come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never yeah. know. Like I said, it came out. I still don't know how I got it or what ha how it happened. It's just life. Wow. Well, that's that's a moving story, and I think it's a good way to wind down. So let's talk about just kind of wind down with this. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about wrestling. We've talked about some mentors in your life, your parents, Coach Bentley, um, you know, if you look at all of it in total, you know, how would you say wrestling's impacted you or, or what lessons do you take away even from coach Bentley today? You know, cause I know you met him through wrestling obviously. So, well, really it just, oh, for me, um, 
it's, it's hard to say. There's so many things that wrestling has done for me. But one thing that stands out in my mind right now, probably after you leave, there's probably more stuff. But one thing that stands out in my mind, all the great people I've met in my life that are still in my life. Mm. You know, my because to be successful in anything, like especially wrestling, you got to have good people around you. And from high school, you know, middle school, high school, and college, I've always had great people around me, great teammates, because without those people, you know, pushing you, motivating you, picking you up when you're down, um, you never can be, you know, successful. And so I credit, you know, uh, my my parents, especially my 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 uh, my uh, high school coach, uh, Mr. Bentley, my college coaches. Um, uh, Dale Barr, uh, Joe Wells, Ed Benkowski. Uh, I consider uh, Dave Schultz one of my coaches. Just um, all the great people who have helped, you know, uh, with me being successful. Because, like I said, you can't do it alone. Right. You know? Like I said, I've had great teammates. I got teammates that I'm still. I consider them like my brothers. You know, like my my high school uh, friend William Waters, uh, Jeff Ruffin. My college teammate, actually, uh, Will was my college teammate too. Um, uh, Stacy Richmond, uh, Mike Amin, uh, um, Sam Amin, Phil Calhoun. I could just name, you know, it's right. so many people that I wouldn't be where I am without those great people, you know, in my life, you know. And it's like I'm I'm, I'm blessed to have those people in my life. Amen, man. That's it's a thing I ask a lot of people that question, and you hear the the toughness, the discipline. But a, one of the ones that's my favorite is just the people you get to meet, just through being in wrestling. You meet some of the craziest, you most <laughs> intense, but also the most caring people you'll ever meet in your life. Yeah, yeah. They they inspire me. I gotta tell you one more quick one. Hit me, baby. I, have a wrestler, I got all day. I got a wrestler, Ravon Ravon Foley. Now this guy you'll be hearing from him this guy he, you know he goes to michigan state mm-hmm. now you talk about people that you meet and things like that but from the things that this kid has as as i've seen in his life you know talking about wrestlers you know uh he motivates me like a lot of times you know people have coaches and you know yeah you talk about you know your coach what your coach did for you and stuff like that but he did you know People that I've coached, they do things for me. You know, they motivate me because I see when I see people go through struggle and things they do, that just inspires me, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you see things in life every day. You know, I see people going through this COVID-19 and some of these people losing their job. You know, I saw a guy yesterday on TV has a restaurant and he might lose his restaurant, but he's still making food, serving food for people. Right. You know? And people like that, you know, they motivate me. Like like this Rayvon Foley that I'm talking about, all the things I've seen in his life. Like what? Because I know the name. What's his story? Well, just the things. I don't want to tell all his sure. his, 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 his stuff. dirty laundry. Yeah. Things in his life that I tell. Like Rayvon, he, he says stuff to me. You know, Fish, thanks for things you've done for me. But I, but he just don't. I thank him for the things he's done for me. Yeah. You know, just the th- things that he goes through, you know, when I see that makes me tough. That helps me with my wrestling. People talk about wrestlers being tough. I get my toughness from seeing when people go through tragedies or they go through stuff. 
because then, you know, I don't complain. I can't complain, you know, because, hey, if they can go through it and, and, and be positive, then I, I'm going to be positive. Yeah. I'm a, so anything you throw, anything in my, in my way, I'm going to handle it. And I'm not just going to handle it. I'm going to handle it in a positive way. And, in a positive way. And you said it the best, man. Like when you went through that sickness or even now with your kids, like you get to show them every day the positive impact wrestling can make. You know, so you're the example for those kids, and you know you learn from them going through that struggle. Yeah, yeah, and even you, man. This this is uh just seeing you, you know, promoting wrestling, doing this, you know, getting a perspective from all these different people. You just said you just talked to Kendi Monday, and then someone's gonna look in this, and Kendi Monday's, you know, probably said something that inspires someone. You know, for sure, finding out what his story is. You know, what you know, how did he become so successful? How did he become you know, I think the first uh, African-American uh, uh, Olympic champ, you know. Isn't that crazy? Of all the wrestlers, he was the first one ever. That's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great, you know. And so this is good that you're doing something like this. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That, that, that's great, you know. It's like I wish we had more people, you know, uh, doing these type of things to promote such a wonderful sport, a uh, wonderful sport. Well, it means now, a lot, sir. Thank you done so much for me <laughs> well I, I this conversation will stick with me for a long time i can't wait to meet in person man and we're gonna we'll tell some more stories because i've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation i look to be friends for many years mr fisher i appreciate it. you made it made you made me uh comfortable because first when you were telling me about this i was like man i don't know about this you know because like i said i've never done skype or anything like that yeah the most i've been on the computer you know this year because uh we have now we have meetings at school meetings on 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 um, Zoom, Zoom, and all that stuff, and like crazy. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text Wrestle to five 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 eighty eight eight. That's Wrestle to five 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 eighty eight eight. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife dot com. Take care, y'all.